What's going on, everyone? My name's Dallas. You're listening to Vic Food Stories, and this is the podcast where we talk about food in and around Victoria, British Columbia. And in today's instance, I'm actually up on the couch in Valley with one of my favorite food trucks, Farmsgate um, Food and Catering, for anyone that's heard of them. If you hadn't, haven't heard of them, you're going to find out who they are right now. I have Michael and Dan with me. Hey, Dallas. How's it going? Going good. Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, really good. We're happy to be here. I want to thank you so much for having me up here today and taking the time to do this. And that lunch that we just had, that burger was like something else. Yeah, that's that's near and dear to my heart for sure. That thing was insane. Yeah. And so like the ingredients in that burger, they're, they're from like all over. Like there, how many different producers went into that burger? Uh, probably around eight. And all of them except for one were from the Cowichan Valley. And the one that wasn't was from a ranch that I worked at uh, in a town called Horsefly near Williams Lake. And okay. uh, central BC. Yeah. Um, so I was visiting them about a week ago and brought back some meat and, um, yeah, definitely wanted to, to share it. Their lamb is, is, is kind of out of this world. Yeah. Thank you uh, for that. Because yeah. we, like when we were talking, uh, when we were eating mm -hmm. that, that lamb, like a lot of people's complaint with lamb is that it's lamby or it's gamey. Yeah. Like it's super strong. Yep. And that, that meat had like the flavor of lamb, obviously, but it wasn't, it wasn't like super, super strong. Yep. It was very balanced. Yep. And you and you'd mentioned that they do the different like the they get to uh, graze moving around the field. Or yeah, whatever, so right? they do it um, the way they raise their animals is a little more intensive than a lot of other places do it. Um, so they do rotational grazing. Um, so they'll have fence lines set up along each field um, that are permanent, and then they'll run temporary fence lines um, down in cross sections, and then they'll move the animals um, every day, every couple days, depending on how fast the grass grows in that one area. Um, so yeah, they do it in a pretty, pretty special way. And I think, I think also when you were asking earlier about, um, what, um, kind of gives the lamb the quality that you can get that flavor, but it's not super gamey. Um, also the, the way their, um, their race is very low stress. And I think that also has a huge contribution to that, um, as well as the way that they're slaughtered, um, that can impact the kind of gaminess of the product as well. So is that to do with the cortisol level? Um, yeah, cortisol. And then there's another, there's another enzyme that I can't remember um, okay. off the top of my head that um, will come out when an animal's stressed. Yeah. And I've heard of one of the, uh, um, the places here actually plays opera music when they're, when yeah. the animals are being put down. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. So they don't, they have no idea what's going on. No, it's, yeah, you want to get them as comfortable and as calm as you can, especially after they've been transported to a, a slaughter facility. Yeah. Um, just because they're so, you know, they're so, um, tense of when course. they arrive. So of course. Um, I actually learned when I was up at the ranch um, recently, I learned that a lot of the larger um, meat uh, well, meat slaughterhouses, there's no wait period. So that basically they go in, um, they arrive on the truck and then they go into the kill floor and within hours they are um, already packaged. Oh um, really? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I didn't know how quickly a lot of, a lot of these places do it, but I'm, I'm, fairly certain that contributes to some gaminess that you can get from other lamb. Of course, if yeah. you're not taking the time to have yeah. the animals be relaxed yeah. and then and you're just trying to pump out as much product as you can, yeah. then it's going to lead to some of that. Yeah. Do you have a feeling on um, how many uh, ranchers or, or, or farmers are doing that grazing around a field, like moving it? Um, it's definitely not the norm, I would say. Okay. Um, I know that in, in that town, there's probably... Um, you know, probably a couple hundred ranches just in that one um, kind of horsefly likely area. And they were 
one of the only ones doing it at that time. Um, it here in the Cowichan Valley, I know it's it's much more difficult to do something like that just because you need a lot of land to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's other ways that um, ranches can do it, um, kind of that other ranches can get the same quality. Um, a lot of it's just sourcing the right feed. Um, but yeah, a lot of places here don't have the the land mass to be able to rotate them as much. And it's better for the land doing it that way though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it actually increases the amount of CO2 the land absorbs. So the way that they're doing it, the ranch that I worked at was called Big Bear Ranch uh, up in Horsefly. And um, the way that they're doing it, um, the land actually absorbs more CO2 the way they're doing it than um, if they were just to plant trees there. Okay. And so for people that haven't been to Farmsgate, or maybe you have and you don't know you guys specifically, mm -hmm. yeah. but Michael, you do like sort of the front of house. Yeah, front of, front of house, more um, client kind of based work um i'm the kind of face more often than not yeah. and then daniel's the creative engine kind of behind the whole operation yeah dan's in the back just pumping out amazing food <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so when when did this start this is our fourth season yeah uh, so fourth we, season running we started in um march 2017 mm -hmm. um farmsgate itself actually was a was um, established by um a different uh different people um and um Daniel worked with the old owner and we ended up just buying it from them um, because we just bought, found it to kind of suit what our values were at the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just kind of, we kind of took it and um, made it our own, I guess. Yeah. And so what is the, like the, the mission statement or vision behind Farmsgate? How would you, how would you succinctly sort of describe that? We, we really see ourselves as a, you know, a business that wants to support the community around us and be a part of that. Um, so for me, the way I source kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, so, you know, we, we support half a dozen farms regularly and within 20 kilometers of our area of our space here. Um, so that's kind of like the, the most important aspect of our business, I think, is just making sure that we are, um, whenever we have the opportunity, we are supporting someone uh, in our, in our same community. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're bringing up the community um, by operating. We don't want to be a business that is, you know, helping out an American supplier um, and just kind of, you know, just supporting us and the other employees. We want to make sure that every dollar you spend with us, um, the highest percentage possible goes back to within the Couch and Valley typically. Um, when we do do events down in Victoria and stuff, we'll actually um, go out of our way to source um, from Victoria farmers. And same thing, we'll do weddings on Salt Spring. And we actually grew up on Salt Spring, so we have friends that are farmers there. So we'll source from Salt Spring. So wherever, there. Yeah. wherever the event is, you try and incorporate that community yeah. as much as we can. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure that must add a bunch of extra work for you guys to try and figure out <laughs> Mike, where can Mike I get can this definitely thing. attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've, yeah. I, I spent a lot of my time going to farms, which is great. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, it's a lot of work to yeah. do. I know. I want to ask you guys like farms you want to give shout outs to, but I feel like there's so many probably. There, there's, there's loads. The one, I mean, one of my favorite ones that we work with is Dancing Dandelion Farm. Uh, we actually just catered their wedding a couple weeks ago or uh, two weekends ago. Um, and are they located in the Couch and Valley? Yeah, they're literally five minutes from here. They're just down the road on Drinkwater Road. Um, okay. They do uh, flowers and then they do tons of veggies as well. And she's just like everything that we get from her. Uh, she, she's her killing it. Yeah. Yeah, she's killing it. She's yeah. really good. Yeah, and so people can obviously just go there and buy stuff. Or yeah, she has a farm stand, um, and then she has a, um, a subscription program for her flowers um, that they can contact and they can get um, weekly or monthly uh, flowers. And she does a lot of deliveries as well now. Because what did you have on the burger from her? Uh, so we had um, sweet onions from her that are just out of this world. Um, there's some of her tomatoes in there, and then um, yeah, radish top pesto as well. Yeah, the pesto and the tomato jam. Yep. 
I just think of like the, the different layers that were in that burger and what you were doing. Yeah. Like that's just so much dedication and I feel like it's love. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, a lot of those tomatoes and there was a tomato jalapeno jam and those came from my own garden here. Um, so yeah, like that's when you, when you can get good ingredients, especially for growing them yourself, it's hard not to, to love it, you know, and then show it that. Yeah. And so let's, let's go back and like, look at your history in the industry. Sure. And so for the both of you, like, sure. I mean, cooking and have you, are you, have you always been like front of house? Um, my, it's actually more retail. Um, I oh, was okay. a manager, um, at Starbucks actually for about six or seven years in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, um, and I was, yeah, it was, it's more, more of a retail management kind of background for me. Um, and more kind of financial end of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But his, his service goes hand in hand with what we're doing, especially with the food truck right now. Um, yeah, his, yeah, I think, I think what I like, but just other than like the management that I, you know, that, that stuff that I learned, I think the customer service mm -hmm. um, aspect of it, and especially when it comes to catering and everything like that's what I really took away from that job. Um, and that's also in our mission statement is that, you know, we're going to apply, you know, using all these great, um, you know, ingredients that are locally made and do what's best for our local economy. But then we're also going to make sure that we're delivering a great experience for everybody. And that's kind of um, what my kind of background um, with the company is a little bit more. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so your history with cooking, because I know it's pretty extensive, right? Yeah, no, I've been, I mean, I've been doing this my whole professional life. Um, went to CIA in New York, uh, graduated in 2010, um, spent two years there. That was a pretty uh, intense experience for sure. But but some of the best connections that I have are from that school now. Um, and then I've spent um, quite a few years working in fine dining, fine dining restaurants, um, kind of in between that and now. Um, and then I've worked in agriculture as well. So I've kind of try to explore whatever my passions are. And then the two biggest ones for sure are agriculture and, and food. So that's kind of where the direction for our business comes from. Is well, I mean, it's like you experience. mentioned that, that like working in agriculture yep. and actually farming and learning what goes into that, yep. not just having sort of like a, a broad understanding or overview, but actually doing it yep. has, uh, has given, I guess, an appreciation for what goes into it. Eh? Yeah. And that, you know, an admiration for all the farmers we work with, but then also just a respect for the ingredients that come into my kitchen. You know, I've seen a lot of waste, even at CIA, I saw a lot of waste um, coming into some of the education kitchens there and the educational kitchens there. And um, that was one of the kind of negatives that stood out for me from culinary school was just how even in one of the top schools in the nation, in the States, um, they're not really preaching low waste. And so for me, you know, I know now what it takes to grow even, even just a carrot, you know, and so when something nice comes in, when something comes into my kitchen, I want to make sure that I'm using as as much of it as possible. So hence radish top pesto on that burger. Yeah. yeah and like the one dinner that we had, we can talk about later, but mm -hmm. like you made the potato peel ice cream. Yeah. So yeah. like you're not wasting potato peels. No. <laughs> yeah. Using uh, everything. Yeah. And do you find that you are able to like go through the vast majority of what you bring in as far um, as ingredients I mean, go? There's, you know, for, if, if I were to, to, make potato skin ice cream with, with all the potatoes that I use, I'd end up with, you know, more well, than I yeah, could possibly store. Yeah. So there's, there's waste, but even that, the, that vegetable waste goes straight into my compost or the garden. So, um, you know, and then we grow food from the garden to, to bring back into our kitchen. So there's that, that cycle there. Um, I'd say, I'd say it's very minimal though. Yeah. Like, like if we go to an event, even like the, the waste, we're able to maintain a very low, low level of waste. Yeah. And I'm pretty, I've been very impressed with, with that on the kitchen side, just seeing that it's been very impressive to see. And it's amazing too. Like when you're doing that, you're, you're taking that extra care to make sure you're doing that. And other people might not necessarily find out, but I guess you're doing it because that's what you believe in. eh? It's important to us. Yeah. 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 And so your history in, in cooking. Yep. 
have you worked at like lots of different restaurants? Um, I've worked in, I think five restaurants, um, two of those as a sous chef, the rest were just kind of as, you know, whether it's my first, uh, first real difficult, um, position was in a restaurant called 2941 in uh, Virginia outside of Washington, DC. Um, the chef there was Bertrand Chamel and he was, um, the executive chef at Danielle in New York. Um, and then he brought his whole crew over to this restaurant when he opened it. Um, so that was, uh, the biggest my ass has been kicked in a kitchen um, throughout my career, for sure. It was six months. I started um, initially on Hot App Station, which is during lunch, which is one of the busier stations. And um, they, yeah, they, they kicked my ass. It was it was a tough time. It was one of those experiences where, um, you know, we had I had some moments at the end um, of shifts where I was just kind of questioning my abilities and all that kind of stuff. And then just kind of kept pushing and eventually I was running Garmanger station there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, that was probably the most difficult time that I had, but also one of the, uh, I probably learned more there as far as the realities of the restaurant industry than I did at CIA. So okay. that was one of the most valuable experiences that I had in the industry. And so, so you, do you value that whole experience, even though it was difficult Oh yeah. looking back on it? Oh yeah. Like, would you, would you, if you, if you had a choice to not go over that again or go through it or not through it? Which, I would do it. Yeah. I, and I would, I would recommend that any young chef go and do that because you want to like, especially if you're going to culinary school, you don't have a good idea. If you've never worked in a restaurant and you're just in culinary school, the reality of what the industry is, is, is something that you're not really aware of. So going into a restaurant that is doing it at a high level that you know, you're going to get your ass kicked, you know, you're going to be, you know, at your end's wits quite often, like you should do it. So you knew going you, in that like you would be pushed to sort of your extreme and you'd question things yeah. and you just have to keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's part of that's part of why they treat people like that in those kind of old school restaurants, just because they want to make sure, especially if you're coming out of culinary school, especially, you know, CIA turns out a lot of uh, culinary students who have pretty big heads. So when they go into kitchens like that, they want to make sure that they're getting the, um, you know, the full treatment well, of it's being in this industry. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to know, like, yeah. like if you're doing that as a career, it's it's good to find out as early yeah. as possible. Um, if you really, it's something you want to do or not. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think that's a good, a good thing for sure. It's yeah. super important to check the ego. Yeah. yeah. Super important. Yep. Cause we were talking about it earlier too, um, where I, I discussed about like a, like a bad review comes mm -hmm. in. Yep. There could be a thousand people that give like a positive review or positive reviews and they're raving, yep. but then there could be one person. Um, and, and in some instances, the, some of the bad reviews, like I was telling you about one thing where the, the, the negative feedback that was given was so far like out of the scope of what I would consider reality that like it didn't make any sense mm -hmm. but it still can like crush someone yep um and it's just that something like that is it's just difficult I don't know well it, I think it's it's for for most of us who get into this industry it's just because we want to you know we want to put great food out but we also want to give people an experience and when we don't come through even for someone who might seem unreasonable it hurts you know because we want to you know every person that comes in we want to make sure that they are having the best experience they can have and that's you know ev even just an unreasonable you know person coming in and, and you yeah. know that what they're saying is is not really accurate um it's still you still gives you pause you know yeah and i guess that i mean they're you're always going to run into people like that. Yeah. Like you take a random sampling of how many, however many people, there's going to be someone that's a bit crazy. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, um, one question about customer service. Yeah. Like in a food truck, what do you think goes into really, really good customer service when, when you, when you're operating a food truck and trying to provide the best you can? Well, it's, um, it's a few things I would say, um, attentiveness, um, trying to remember, 
you know, remember your regulars is a huge thing with mm-hmm. customer service. Um, but then making sure that you're treating the non-regulars like just as good. So when there's new people, like each time a new person comes, it's such a great opportunity to like show people like our food and um, our concept. And so it's really just about being like as friendly and as positive as possible with each customer that comes in and then making sure that they're getting what they want. Um, so making sure that they're, you know, if they're, if they're uncertain of things, you know, helping them find what, um, you know, what they want and what they need, um, in that moment and then trying to go above and beyond however possible. Um, you know, it's quick with food truck. It's very quick. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of times it's over a few interactions, you kind of build that. Um, but even with that quick, um, service, um, uh, you really want to, um, you know, have those, those moments be so positive so that, that, you know, they remember and they come back. I think it is special when you, when you do build those relationships Mm -hmm. with like a customer Mm -hmm. and, and especially if someone that's a regular and they always come back to like you guys, cause then obviously you're, you're like a part of their life Yeah, cause they look forward to coming and seeing you and eating your food. Yeah. That's a, that's a special thing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, it really is beautiful to, to have that like relationship with, with somebody just through food. Like it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And I guess after overdoing this for four years, I'm sure that, that you have you, do you have any friends that you would consider outside of the food truck that have like transformed to that? Like, like from, from a like customer? Trans, yeah. Transcended from customer to friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think, I think, um, yeah, I think so. Trying to think of who, but (laughs) I I feel, I feel like, I feel like there's been people where like at the very least, I mean, we, we don't have a huge circle of friends because we are working all the time. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the one thing, but there's, there's people that I always look forward to seeing when we're set up like that, that, that that to me, like, like there's people I'm like, oh, cool. I get to see Jim today and I get to see Dan. I get to, you know, all these people who I'm just like very excited, like genuinely excited to see. Um, so, you know, friend. You know, I, I like to think that 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 we're I'm friends with with my customers just just through the the food truck. Sure, yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that I mean that'll that'll come across too when you're when you're interacting with people. Yeah, that's going to come across. Yeah. How many different dishes do you guys generally have like on a day? Let's say you're at the Esquimalt Market. How many dishes are going to be on the menu? This year's different because we've had to transition to um, like it's always takeout, but this is you know boxed food basically. So. Before this year, we were doing small plates, and we would have um, generally our, men- our main menu was six items, and we'd have a couple other extras. This year, we're doing three large plates, and then we'll have a dessert item, um, and then we'll start doing a soup now um, that we're getting a little bit colder weather. But um, yeah, we've transitioned to doing large plates this year, and I've actually really uh, have really enjoyed that. It's okay. it's because it's just it, you know it's something different, and so I've able been able to create full dishes and put more attention onto each full dish rather than then splitting it up onto six smaller ones and yeah, that's like, been that's been pretty cool yeah because I, I was i was gonna say i didn't even pick up on that this year yeah but i guess that's one of the changes i guess with covid yep um that yeah in the past actually i always did yeah you'd have like two or three little small things yep, yep. and then now you got the the full-size ones so yeah. are you able to tell more of a story i guess through each dish i think so like yeah. the the one that um I think it's probably on the top of both of our minds right now is a dish called sabik. Um, it's a Middle Eastern wrap. Okay. And it's something that I was, I was in Israel uh, about five years ago now, maybe six. Um, and I was in Israel and as well as Jordan and Turkey for about three months. And my last week there, I, was, I spent in Tel Aviv and I found this sandwich called sabik. And it was just this like pita wrap that had um, 
grilled or fried eggplant, um, fried potatoes, uh, had different pickled products in there, hummus, um, boiled egg. And it was just probably the best thing I ate while I was there. And it was just the perfect cheap lunch food, um, that had everything you would want. Isn't and that crazy how you like, you consider that like the best and it's like this quote unquote cheap lunch food. Oh, and, and you go in and it's like, there's these two grumpy Israeli dudes serving it. And you know, like it's, it's, it's the whole experience was just like, this is amazing. You know, this, this, it's fulfilling. Like it's, it's, it makes me, you know, completely nourished. Um, the experience itself of going in there is just kind of classic Israel. And then, yeah, I had that every day for a week. Um, mm. my last week there at and the then, same place at the same place. Okay. And that I've been wanting to do it in our food truck for four years now. We finally were able to do it, um, this year. Yeah. In August. Yeah. 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 And so is that, do you, do you still have that? Um, yeah, I'll probably be still doing it through the winter because we, um, we're working with Wicklow Growers, another farmer out in Mill Bay. Um, and she's, we've probably gotten close to 200 pounds of eggplant from her so far oh, with wow. another 30 or so coming next week, um, that I'm, uh, roasting off and marinating and using, um, in dishes like that. So eggplant is such an amazing thing. And if I, you treat it properly. Yeah. If oh, you yeah. treat it like shit, then it's horrible. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's rubbery garbage. Yeah, yeah. 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 But if you do, if you do, um, yeah, if you treat it properly, it's amazing. I just had a really good eggplant dish at Wrap and Roll. Um, Sweet. And which is, I mean, it's a Lebanese dish that he made, that Mo made. And it like, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like it just the texture and everything when you treat this properly, just how incredible it is. Yeah. So I'm wondering about with the dishes, mm -hmm. the inspiration for the dishes when you make them. Yeah. Like where does that inspiration come from? I mean, it, it, it varies for each dish. A lot of it, you know. Some of it just comes from travel and and kind of tasting something that I really have had in the back of my mind ever since I tasted it and wanted to put it out. You know, that's that's one thing. Have you done a lot of traveling? Yeah, um, not as much as I would like to, but yeah, I spent um, three months in Europe right after uh, high school, and then I spent three months in the Middle East, um, and then you know smaller smaller travels in between. I've, done, I've driven around the the United States probably two two times, and up and down the West Coast three or four times, and um, yeah, so I, I definitely enjoy travel and that generally resolve revolves around food when I do travel. So, And the restaurants that you worked in, were they different types of cuisine or was it all yeah. kind of like related? I mean, they, they were all pretty different. Like 2941 was a classic French restaurant, um, just kind of old school stuff, but really amazing technique. Um, a lot of the restaurants that I've worked at had been farm to table focused um, since then, just because that was kind of... Um, the lack of focus in culinary school on um, sourcing and on um, just kind of farm-to-table food stood out to me. So I wanted to, that's, you know, I learned a lot in culinary school, but one of the things that stood out to me was what was lacking. So that's kind of where I tried to focus my energy mm -hmm. um, after. Um, like they spent $200,000 on, on landscaping there and none of it was edible, which was always kind of just in the front center for me, always wondering like why they wouldn't have fruit With trees that much or, money. or yeah you know like it's it's in a culinary school you'd, you'd think that now now they have actually a farm at the same school so they've gone in that direction um so that's awesome and students are now being exposed to that but when i was there it wasn't it wasn't quite there yet so i guess when you when you're cooking do you use a lot of different techniques then yeah i always say that that like i don't have a um cuisine you know people don't have my food and they think oh he you know he likes to do this kind of cuisine or whatever like it's more of just whatever flavors and techniques um highlight the ingredient that i'm using that's what i like to do so there's definitely cuisines that i have an affinity for um 
Middle Eastern food for sure is one of them. Um, I'd like to do a lot more Asian food. Uh, so that's we're planning a trip to Japan at some point soon here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, we, yes. yeah and we, I want to probably ask you a few questions yeah. about that. I'd love <laughs> yeah. to talk. Yeah. I go on for like three hours just about Japan. Yeah. yeah. You have no idea how sick it is. <laughs> yeah. That's like the like probably the biggest bummer from the pandemic is just like, like we were planning on going to Japan yeah. and, and, and like in this next year or so. And that has to now be put off for a bit. But but it'll just make it that much sweeter when we do go for sure. It will a hundred percent. I'll be able to give you some recommendations. Yeah. Sweet. Like it's, it's just, it's, it, and it's so different there because when you go and eat restaurants only serve like one thing. Yeah. They have one type of food or like, like just maybe kind of this like one dish, Yeah. different variations, maybe of that one dish. Um, it's not here where you can go and get like pizza and burgers and salad and, you know, like curry a whole, all in the same restaurant. All in the same restaurant. Yeah, no, it doesn't exist like that. And you could like walk in so many different spots there and just have an unbelievable night. Yeah, yeah. Like like the one I think I've talked about it before, but um, the best meal I think I had in Japan was it was vegan, and it was just at this little unassuming place by the uh, Golden Temple in Kyoto. Mm. And we went in and had like the most unbelievable. It's in my top three of all time. Wow, uh, meals. And it just it's it's cool what you can experience there. So I'm stoked for you guys. I'm jealous you're going. Yeah, yeah. We got to make it happen as soon as this thing so open up again. Anyways, yeah, yeah. It'll be a winter trip for sure. It'll be yeah. like a January kind of. Fun. That's when you want. That's when I went. Yeah, yeah. yeah January is the best I found because I don't know if we got lucky if it's always sunny, but we had one day of rain. Wow. In two weeks. Sweet. And it was like 10 degrees the whole time. There wasn't um, a super lot of tourists. Like there was obviously still some, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like crazy. So I think that January might be the time to go for sure. Yeah. Cool. What what stood out to you for that that meal? Part of it I'm going to say is the experience. Mm-hmm. Like the whole scenario of randomly sort of finding this place and then the husband and wife that own the restaurant. They're they're um not compassion but just like just they were there for us. Mm-hmm. Like they just wanted to make us have the best absolute time that we could. And after we were done the meal, um, the owner came with this like super high quality uh, green tea, and he's like, "You guys need to try this." And he okay. didn't. He like he wouldn't let us pay for it. Um, and he just like he's like, "This is this is the best you will ever have." And he just sat there with us and he poured it. And uh, yeah, it was that. It's just the whole experience. It's hospitality. That's 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 next what level it was. Hospitality. It was yeah. hosp- it was hospitality yeah. times a million. Yeah. Wow. And and. I mean, I, I like I I eat meat, but the fact that it was vegan too, yeah, mm-hmm. and that it was that good, I was like, when it's this good, you don't even need meat. Yep, totally. like it was unbelievable, and we got to cook at our table. I forget what that style of of um, dining is called, but they had the little fire going where it was cooking the tofu mm-hmm. and and that kind of stuff. So it was just the whole experience was was pretty wild. Sweet, yeah, but it was definitely, yeah, you guys are gonna have a wild time. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for that. I would almost say don't don't try and plan too much. Yeah. I don't know. We we didn't plan anything. Maybe plan some stuff. But uh yeah, don't plan too much, I think. How long were you there for? Uh, I was 13 days. 13 days. That was yeah. enough time. We saw 12 cities in 13 days. Wow. All right, there you go. <laughs> so you bounce around. <laughs> yeah. I I mean you could stay there for as long as you want. Yeah. I think I think that it might be worthwhile sort of going there and seeing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Seeing what you really like and then go back to that and and get more in depth with that area. Mhm. And I don't know if that's the same with traveling because I haven't really traveled that much. So, like, would you say that that's probably a good strategy? Hundred percent. My, my, like, I, I loved my Europe trip, but my biggest regret is that I, I, I wanted to go to as many places as possible. I wanted to check, check as many countries off the list as I could instead of 
spending, you know, maybe a month in each country that like, you know, whether it was Germany, Spain, and France, you know, instead I went to, to Spain, France, Germany, Italy, um, Netherlands, Belgium, UK, Ireland. And it was great. And I had like, even, even then three months is a good chunk of time. Um, but I, I now when I travel, I like to spend more time in individual places. And, um, actually I went to Portugal, um, right before we bought Farmsgate. Okay. And, um, that's how I did it. Then I was there for three weeks and I spent a good chunk of time in Lisbon, kind of researched where I wanted to go. Um, went up to Porto and then, um, we rented a car, some friends that I met along the way and we did a, um, pretty awesome, just three day road trip into the, the valley on the border with, uh, with Spain there. And okay. saw a bunch of wineries and that kind of stuff. So um, that was more of, um, you know, going to Lisbon, seeing what I like, and then kind of venturing off from there. But then the last week I spent in Lisbon and went back to some of the places that I enjoyed and just kind of spent time in places that I was already familiar with. And, and that you just kinda, want to see more. Yeah. yeah. And do you have a do you have a meal that stood out from that trip? Yeah, there was actually um, there was a uh, old train station that they had converted into like a, a food mall, basically. And there was a, a raw food stand there, and they had this pickled herring, um, not quite a ceviche. It was just more like a pickled herring salad with tons of different like small garnishes in it with beets and croutons and radish and all this stuff. And that was um, that was probably what stood out most for me. A lot of the food in Portugal is pretty um, uh, pretty bland, I would say. Okay. A lot of it's pretty like um, you know like stews and like bean stews and and bean and kidney pie, you know that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of um, more kind of glarfy food there i've never heard glarfy glarfy <laughs> what is, what is glarfy <laughs> educate think, me right now just please think of like bean stew you know okay. like a really thick bean stew okay yeah kind of okay. glarfy <laughs> and have you traveled much michael yeah yeah oh, I, do you guys go together or no because you're brothers i don't know if we mentioned that yeah yeah <laughs> we, well as kids yeah we, we traveled together we yeah. went to europe um, sure. twice once yeah we went to we went to italy and england and yeah but um since i've been an adult i haven't traveled a whole lot last year i went to um Budapest, Krakow, and Prague, which was really cool. So more of like central, central Eastern Europe. Um, and I don't know, where else did I, I haven't really, Hawaii a lot. My parents used to live in Hawaii. So that oh. was, a, that was a lot of the travel was yeah. just to Hawaii and back. Yeah. So many times have you been in Hawaii? Well, we both lived there for about a year. So yeah. here's that. Um, but I, I mean, 15 times maybe. Wow. Something like that. It's so cheap. If there's plane tickets were like $400 from, from Vancouver um, straight to Kauai where they lived. So it was like, and, and once and we got there. if you have there, somewhere to stay, like that's the yeah, battle, that's right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's you a, can borrow it, a car from them. You don't have to rent a car, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it ended It ended up being like really an affordable place for us to go. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, in, in my twenties, I think I, I went to Hawaii the, the most, yeah, probably a, a good 10 times in my twenties, maybe, maybe like seven or eight, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And in your Middle Eastern trip, yeah. do you have a dish that stands out in that one? The sabiq is probably the one of them, and then there was this um, this wrap that I got. I went to the West Bank um, twice when I was there, and I stayed in Janine overnight um, for for two nights. And there was this um, this uh, it wasn't shawarma; it was just like a, a, a flatbread um, wrap there, and it was um, lamb. And you go, um, it was at the just at the outside of a farmers market there, or just a market really, and. Um, you go in and they give you a, um, you, you pay for it and then they give you a ticket and then you take the ticket to someone and then he gives you this, this big metal uh, tray with a wrap on it 
And then you take that and then you give it to someone else and he gives you all the meat you want. And then he points you over to a, a kind of a buffet set up with all the garnishes and stuff on it. So you put whatever you want on it. Of course, I put way too much on it and then brought it to the final station is where they wrap it up for you. And it was, just, you know, it was like that big towards the end, but it was so, it was so good and, and just super cheap. Um, so when you're traveling and you get a meal that that's, that's that big and that great, that stands out for sure. Yeah. And I love the move to put way too much on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, what I'm all about. Yeah. Well, it's like you're going down the line and you're like, oh, that looks good. And 12 items later, everything looks good. You're going to, you know, you're going to. But they were big... able to actually wrap it up for you? Yeah. They kind of. <laughs> They kind of gave me some looks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah like, what are you doing? Yeah, you should, come on, two. man. Like, make a decision. <laughs> and so Farmsgate, um, you guys are always at markets. Mm -hmm. I guess mainly up, is it mainly up here that you're in the Couch and Valley where you're doing markets? Because you are at the Esquimalt Market. Yeah. But where else do you guys do markets? Um, Duncan Farmer's Market, um, especially through the off season, we're there a lot. Um, and then Cedar Market up in Nanaimo. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you guys are up there. Yeah. Th this summer was our first summer there. Yeah. Um, we, we really liked it. I actually didn't get to go this year and I've gone like the past four years and I love it up there. Yeah. It, it's really cool. It's a nice yeah, market. No, a we're, we're glad that we started doing that this year. Yeah. Very, Did very you guys glad. ever go to the, the old location by the Crow and Gate? No. I don't know what it was in that field. I, 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 I've only been to the new location where it is now once, mm -hmm. but I, I, I liked the, the character or something of the old field, but it was smaller. Yeah. I don't know. But you guys liked it up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's nice. A lot of good people. Yeah. yeah. I think the character with the Crone Gate being there would make it kind of cool because the Crone Gate is such a cool pub. Yeah. Yeah. It's unlike anything else here. Yeah. yeah. Totally unlike anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and so where else do you guys get posted up? Well, I mean, well, I mean, I guess yeah. there's, there's after COVID and pre-COVID, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think wineries. Um, we had we have a good relationship with um, Blue Grouse Winery um, and Avril Creek Winery. Um, Unsworth, um, we Daniel used to be the sous chef at the restaurant in Unsworth. Oh, really? Um, so mm -hmm. we we have a good relationship with them. So we'll partner up with them every, every once in a while. I was so happy that one day that I went to Unsworth. I was I I got there. I went to go eat at the the restaurant, and I was like, oh fuck, they're closed. And then I saw your guys' truck, right? Like yeah. just, just like over to the right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you saved me. <laughs> so I got super happy again. Yeah, sweet. Was that the first time you tried our food? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I okay. think I think the first time you tried our food was at um, Car Free YYJ. I think. I got oh, a good memory. Yeah. If you've, I oh, think. Wow. I, I think so. I think so. That's entirely possible. It was yeah. one of our first big events, and I just remembered being like, it's, I have. It's one of the events I have more sharply, kind of still in my rear view i guess and yeah. i'm pretty sure that's where you came by the first time i think yeah that must have been like right after juma closed because i like i've been i've been no like, they I've were been, still there yeah were they still around yeah, yeah, they yeah. were they were there with us yeah it was oh, it, were they it was yeah. juma's oh, that's right. last I, season i think yeah. i had i had aiden's food and i had yours too yeah. yeah yeah okay i think i actually remember that now you might have even told us about aiden's food I, somebody was like oh yeah they're down the street and you, you got to try them it might have been you you might have you might have told us to go go and try his food. Probably yeah. it was probably you. <laughs> it might have been. I mean, that that last season when he was open, yeah. I I tried to try every single item that he made. Yeah. Um, and I and I almost accomplished it, but I didn't quite get everything. Yeah. But it's just like, you guys are like as close as I can get to that now. So I'm yeah. very appreciative because the food is incredible. Thank, Thank you. you. And it's just like it's like that burger you made. Yeah. Like you can taste the 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 freshness. Yeah. When you're using high quality stuff and someone's treating it properly, there's something special about that. For sure. Yeah. So you guys work with a lot of different partners, like a lot of different farms and, mm -hmm. and a lot of different producers. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many in total you work with? That's a good question. I don't think we've ever actually tallied it up. Um, Be between 30 and 50. That's what? it? 
yeah i mean there's there's a lot that are are a little more sporadic than others um, yeah that's true there's a lot of like like, you know very seasonal suppliers that you know we only maybe like it's um oh shoot what what is that uh not figs not figs um they're like apples pears but they have the quince quince so yeah there's one quince farm in nanaimo we will get um like once a year from them like a big order which i think should be coming up soon so. yeah a little bit later but yeah <laughs> um yeah. uh so so we have a lot of these like suppliers that they grow one thing um and then we just will buy like a big order off them when they, when they're ready for harvest so, so what do you guys do with the quince um different things i i process a lot of it into butter um but then i'll use a lot and i've made like an ice cream with quince before and mm. yeah it's it's I, I love quince just the the smell of it fresh even is just amazing so um yeah no mostly butter sometimes i'll just you know if i don't have time i'll just cook it all down and freeze it and then i'll use it for other things later on um so purees butters um uh glazes for different other, other like pastry items yeah. and do you guys operate year-round as much as we can, yeah. I think it, you know, it, it slows down in January and February. Of course, but, yeah. yeah, ten months. Yeah, like like we'll we'll still have a, the the sporadic event in January and February, yeah. but we'll we'll tend to want take a couple of weeks off then or work on a couple of projects yeah. that that kind of we need to do. But yeah. yeah, we're typically it's like yeah March through the end of December is our season. Yeah, yeah, because you guys don't just do like markets; you also do the catering, right? Yeah. Which you were mentioning like that was like a huge component of your business. Yeah. And I guess COVID has impacted that quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. I think um, that specific part of the business was something we were intending to grow this year specifically. Um, We took a lot of steps, um, especially in the wedding side, to kind of reach out to venues, wedding planners, and really start to kind of market ourselves as like the couch and valley caterer. Mm -hmm. If if there's a wedding in the couch and valley and you want a high-end option that's going to support the couch and valley, it's Farmsgate. Like That was our whole thing. So I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but there's someone in a in a parachute right there. Yeah, I just yeah. looked up and I there's someone flying above them. They're coming down. I guess they're gonna land in the field. Yeah, yeah. No, some days there's dozens of them. Oh, really? So yeah. this is a normal thing for you guys. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, Mount Prevo. They um they go off the end there and they they land in the field here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Just caught me off guard, <laughs> yeah. and you guys are just like nonchalant. super calm. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, that's normal. He's fine. Yeah. Like, we'll I, I just I I could tell something was up there, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's days when I'm mowing the lawn with my with my shirt off, and they'll come down. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah okay. especially on sunny days like today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so sorry to cut you off. No worries. Where was I? Um, Weddings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we were making quite a strong push, and like that was really what, what we were working towards in this year. Um, obviously, with the restrictions. Um, that you know had to be taken it really impacted our industry um caterers across the board uh event you know events in general took a huge hit um so it definitely was a a kind of something that you know we had to kind of work through um we were able to still have a few weddings this year that were just kind of adapted um to work within the safety kind of protocols and then next year i think we have 30 weddings booked already oh wow which is going to be um quite the undertaking um we're, we're excited to do it um but yeah, like we're, we're yeah, it's it, like, we're, that's where we wanted to be this year. Like yeah. we wanted maybe not 30, but we were thinking like 24 ish. Like that was kind of our goal for this year. And what's we ended the, up, yeah. the biggest event? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no worries. What's the biggest event you've done in the past for, as far as catering? For, for the, catering, the 200, 250 people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 250 family style meal. Yeah. That was on Salt Spring. Yeah. That was on Salt Spring. Yeah. yeah. And how much work goes into like preparing for something like that? It took almost a week to prep for it. 
and that's i mean that was pretty much just me um so you know next year when we have 30 we'll have you know probably two people working with me so okay that would cut down quite a bit but um yeah you know we're we're pattying falafels for that event and we do a marinated vegetable dish for most weddings that is just basically we we just call it marinated seasonal vegetables on the menu because that means that i can get in whatever i can find from local farms and that's probably my favorite item we do we even marinate it in vinegar that's produced on salt spring that's one of our our suppliers um that her name's brie eagle uh her company is called salt spring vinegar and uh she makes just most people who so you know good. are doing their own vinegars a lot of it's just infusing vinegar with certain things but everything she does with the exception of her balsamic vinegars are you know making her own wine and then turning it into vinegar mm. like she'll make um i'm getting six liters of lemon verbena uh vinegar from her um on tuesday tomorrow when we go to salt spring um that is just out of this world and she just picks a bunch of lemon verbena makes wine from uh uh, turns into into vinegar and it's just it's awesome stuff yeah and so like what what would you do with that when you get that i i mean i use it for i use it um i use it in hollandaise that we're doing um right now for uh if you come find us at the duncan market or the cedar market we do a breakfast item um it's a, a breakfast hash so potatoes roasted shallots um, i gotta have that it's really good yeah and the hollandaise is, is is pretty awesome too especially with that vinegar vinegar gastrique that's in there um so, how yeah. creamy is the hollandaise how creamy? I mean, yeah. it's 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 butter and eggs. So I don't know. <laughs> How creamy is it? Like super creamy? It's I I would say mine is like uh, it's a little bit lighter than than other. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's just the way that I was taught to do it at twenty nine forty one was just um it, a little bit frothier than other other hollandaise. Yeah, I guess be. I should have said like rich. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Uh, okay. I like that then because sometimes it can be too much. Yep. It definitely can be. So that you do it on the lighter side. Yep. And um. So is that one of like at at the market there is there is there three items at the Dunk Market? Yep. Yeah, we do the same the same three item. Um, just one of the items being a breakfast item because at the Esquimalt Market it's more of a dinner kind of service. Yeah. There it's it's more breakfast and then lunch. So we'll have a breakfast item, a couple lunch items. And I guess one change you guys made during COVID was the home delivered meals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned that that was like spawned out of COVID. Right. Yeah. Because when it so when it actually first started for us, um, everything really. We had a bunch of events kind of that were that were in the immediate future that all got just canceled. Um, all the markets were shut down for, for a few weeks before while well, they were figuring that out. And so we had zero income, just like a lot of other businesses. Um, and so the, pretty much the week, the same week that everything shut down, we just decided to, um, you know, do something that we wanted to do something that could support the community but also support our suppliers, which who we knew would be also going through like a tough transition period, going away from restaurants that had to be closed to more markets, um, to, to delivery, um, to grocery, that sort of thing. So what we were able to do is do frozen meals, which also, so the other issue was labor being that, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to have people working with us because we, it was just so early on in the pandemic mm-hmm. that we just wanted to be as safe as possible. So it was literally Daniel was self-isolating. Um, and I was the only one doing deliveries and he was doing frozen meals and frozen meals. We were able to, to do it in a way that he, he still felt he could have a decent amount of control over the final product. We can still source locally and ethically and then um, kind of deliver it at a price point that was reasonable for people who were also going through kind of financial difficulties. Um, How much of a challenge was that? Just to sort of like take all of those factors and make it work. Yeah. The, like the idea for frozen food, you know, that's definitely not, not too much of a struggle to, to, to produce, but it's just, 
the challenge for me was accepting that how things had changed and how, you know, I never really thought I would be serving. I always say frozen, ma- frozen mashed potatoes. They're still really good. They're, you know, we smoke, we do smoke oh, yeah, mashed potatoes. Smoked butter and smoked cream. It's, it's still they're, 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 bomb. They're, yeah, but they're good mashed potatoes, but it's still frozen mashed potatoes. Even knowing that, it's still kind of just frozen food, you know. I, I've just from my, my career path and, you know, it definitely took time for me to accept that that's kind of the reality of the situation that we were in. Um, but then what kind of encouraged me was seeing all the support. And it wasn't just... When people um, bought from us, often it wasn't just buying our food. We um, we did a couch and date night um, uh, package. Package, yeah, yeah. Um, that meant that you were buying food from us that we sourced from other places around us, but then also flowers from Dancing Dandelion Farm, wine from Blue Grouse Winery, and then a pie from Bite Me Cookie Company, another great local business. So you know, we we tried to do whatever we could to. Um, find ways to support suppliers, even if, you know, there's certain things that I just couldn't get locally. So that's, that was um, probably the most encouraging thing was just seeing how successful it was and how much people wanted to support people um, in their community. So that, that date night was, was received well? Oh, very oh, yeah. well. Yeah. 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 It was very cool. Yeah. Um, we were able to, to, to deliver wine um, as long as we picked it up the same day mm-hmm. um so we were doing that um and yeah it just made it like it made it it was a nice package for people people were buying it as gifts for other people um yeah and it's still something we're doing um even now even as things have opened back up it's just a bit smaller of a um uh, kind of our overall business but it's still i know we have a lot of positive feedback from people saying you know maybe people from out of town that have relatives here that they want to you know they can't visit right now mm-hmm. but they want to you know do something nice you know get get them a meal that they don't have to really cook um and you know there's not a whole lot of great delivery options here um so it's something that's just a little bit nicer that that they can give as a gift to people and yeah so, so yeah. do you think you'll continue doing that yeah, it seemed like it's, I mean, it, it was successful and there's still an interest now. So it's something that we think is going to be a part of our business moving forward. And you wouldn't have done that otherwise? No. Absolutely not. No, that no, was not even a month before. That was not in our, like, yeah, there was, yeah, we would not have done that for sure. And are there other stuff, like other things you're doing now that you think would transition over to when things go to, go back to, to normal? I mean, the, the large plates in the food truck, that's something that I've really been keen on since we started. And that was already a conversation for us um, at the end of last year was just... Um, you know, feeling that things had gotten a little stagnant and wanting to to find a way to kind of, um, you know, boost our menu a little bit. And, and large plates was something that I had been thinking about for a while and we talked about. And so it kind of, you know, it wasn't that big of a stretch for us to do. Um, do you have an idea like like large plates and small plates? If it went back to like normal times or whatever, what would your menu look like now if you're incorporating those in? Sure. Would it be like like three big ones and three small ones or it would definitely be a combination it would probably be instead of doing because what we did before was we would have the six items and then you can choose three um, and it give you a discount on the third item so basically you got a full meal off that what i would probably transition to instead is having a couple snacks and then having the large plates hmm. yeah and one cool thing that i i got to attend was the uh the dinner at emmendare with that winemaker's dinner yeah. how many of those did you do this summer because yeah. it was, it was the you had the two nights there. Yep. Did you do any others, or was that no, it? that was that, that was it for this this summer? Yeah, we we were we were yeah we still might do another one this year. Um, okay, we're we're still like kind of talking, um, but but that was it for for that for this year. But we've done a lot of similar um, events in the past. Yeah, and so at that event it was pretty wild because at Emmendare we got to sit in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Like my table that I was sitting at was like amongst the grapes. Yeah, 
like that, that just the setting of that was, was unbelievable. But then, um, you guys were there, the Ainsley was there, mm-hmm. Avril Creek and Emondaire yep. and everyone sort of combined forces and just made this powerhouse evening that, and, and to be honest, I don't even know how the tickets were acquired. Cause it didn't even really like, they were gobbled up like instantly. Right. Yep. Those yeah. things were, do you know how, how did people get those tickets? Because I know someone that had bought tickets and they're like, Hey, do you want to come? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we we wanted to, we pretty much just released it to the, the wine clubs on our list just because we wanted people that were our supporters through like the pandemic and everything to have like first dibs. We didn't anticipate it being that popular. We yeah. wanted to also release it publicly, but because of um, because of the support we got just right off the bat, we were able to, to sell out two nights. Well, and I say sell out because part of that was that people paid what they wanted. Um, that's the that, yeah. that, yes i forgot about that yeah that's so, the other aspect yeah so that was an event where if you went you you guys left it up to people to pay what they wanted yeah yeah and we, I, i've never heard of anything like that and yeah. i think that like during covid that's that's like i would say ballsy yeah to sort of do something like that because i don't feel like a lot of people actually understand what a dinner would like that would cost yeah i think i think um i think we kind of trusted in the community I think it was, that's what we were doing is we, we really trusted ourselves as, as businesses and we wanted to put trust into the community that has, you know, they've been supporting us for years and through this pandemic. And we knew like, we, it was definitely a risk, but mm-hmm. we th- we thought it was going to be a rest, risk that paid off for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool hearing just, just, I, I think there was a woman that came by later. And one of the coolest things was that she said, um, I, what did she say? She said, she wouldn't have been able yeah. to like it was i think it was it was mike from emmendare who who kind of had the observation and shared it with us and has really stuck with us but that um you know she said that she wouldn't probably have been able to afford right. what it was actually worth yeah but she she was you know her hope was that um you know the other people around would would kind of balance it off so, and, so it, she, and it did and she was super appreciative of the fact that we opened it up um and we said pay what you want so that people who maybe wouldn't have been able to afford it if we just had our ticket price was able to come and enjoy that experience. And that's something that like, um, when, when Mike mentioned that was something that kind of, it kind of, it took me, you know, put me back a bit. Like it just, just realizing that that hadn't really even been in my mind, um, as a positive from that. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's just, that was a very cool, um, experience or a, you know, a, a cool positive to come from doing that, uh, collaboration with all those guys yeah she said she always she she came by the food truck too and talked to us and she, and she yeah. said she said that she had always wanted to go to one of these those events and she just you know it wasn't within her budget and yeah. she knew that but she knew understood the community that would be coming and she knew that if she you know she she paid what she could mm-hmm. which was still like she you know it was still like a significant amount yeah. like it wasn't like you yeah. know and, and but but you know it was it was less than what we would typically charge for something like that but she knew that you know just the community would be able to kind of support her ticket price and it was and it ended up working out like that and it was really cool to see mm-hmm. that that people kind of had that understanding that some of the people at that dinner maybe um you know were would be able to kind of support more than others yeah and so the dinner worked out well then yeah, yeah. I think all parties were happy with how it worked out yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. yeah and and to again to, to do something like that during a time where people are just trying to figure out like with the way life is now to do something like that is really cool yep and I, I'm glad to hear that that there's been so many a lot of positives. It sounds like they came from that. It was a very positive experience, yeah. and, it, and it left a very like positive, like it made me feel very positive about, about our community. I already did, but it was just one of those like reaffirming like. Yeah, you're giving me like goosebumps almost. Yeah. yeah. 
That's yeah. that must have been an emotional night. I guess I, it was special. Fact, it really yeah. was. And, yeah. and it was super fun too. just yeah. like from like the actual execution of the night, just having these like, yeah, powerhouses, like having Dan and Ian working in the kitchen, having Mike and Brent out front with the guests, just knowing that like everybody had everybody else's back. Yeah. We even had another chef in the back helping out. Um, Buddy Wolf. Buddy Wolf. Yeah. yeah. And he was, he was great. So even, you know, he just wanted to help out. And even um, Jeff from the wine bar who owns the wine oh, bar. Oh, he was Duncan. huge. Yeah. Well, I've heard of him. I've never oh, met him. Oh, he's, he has, it's good, good he, that we he was serving. Him, uh, he was serving both yeah. nights. Um, oh, really? And he helped. He, he, and he, he, he lent us like tons of plateware and he was a huge part of that. Yeah. I really want to go try his stuff. Yeah. And yeah. go try the, his, the wine his bar. His drinks are, yeah, the yeah, co- they're cocktails are definitely the, worth, worth yeah. checking out. Okay. Yeah. I really need to do that because yeah. I've heard so many good things. Yeah. Do you guys think then that that this dinner is, will not be a one-off then? Something like that? We want to keep doing dinners like that. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think the parties that we're all involved, I feel the same way. We haven't we haven't established another date yet, but everything that came out of that was extremely positive and and hopefully we see a lot more of that because there's actually there's a lot of talent in the Couch and Valley yeah. mm-hmm. and to be able to kind of, you know, bring people together. Um, through these collaborative events and really just kind of elevate the whole area, yep. um, which I think that that's what those events really do. They don't make a lot like a lot of money when everything's kind of taken into account, but they really do elevate kind of our whole the whole area. Yeah. Well, it, it really shows that there is special stuff happening here. So it, it's like it might not be a, mon- a monetary huge, massive like landslide, mm-hmm. but it's a landslide in other ways. Right. And so for people that don't necessarily get up to couch and all the time, I was going to ask you guys like about, about eating, mm-hmm. like what restaurants do you guys consider? Like if you're coming through and passing through, definitely go and check this place out. Sure. Are there places that stand out? Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. I mean, the Ainsley for sure. Ian Blom, he's, he's super talented. Um, Lauren from Mommy's On in uh, Chimanus, that's definitely worth going and checking out. Um, she's doing chef dinners now too, I think most weekends. Oh, is she? I think so. Um, I really, I've only been there once, but I really, and the Ainsley I love too, yep. but both those spots I've been to and I thought they were great. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're very talented chefs. And then uh, Martin from Unsworth is, is probably the, the third that would stand out to me. Um, Unsworth is just, it's a, the, the vineyard itself is great, but the restaurant and the food, um, it's very good. I haven't been in the, uh, since they had the renovations. Yeah. I haven't been inside. Yeah. Was it, was it a, a renovation at the dining space or was it the kitchen renovation? It's mostly kitchen, I think. I think they okay. might have, um, increased some of the dining room but not not by much sorry <laughs> um yeah but then they, they also added a pizza oven there so okay you can, you can dine outside if the restaurant's full and have have really good pizza as well and so is that what type of pizza is that is it neapolitan style yeah yeah it's, it's wood fired yeah it's like a wood fired uh, neapolitan style it's really good it, it's more casual like for lunch um that's why we're not there anymore with the food truck for the most part because they've been doing that yeah but it's really okay. really really good like yeah like so were you guys mainly doing lunchtime there then yeah yeah, I when, see. when the restaurant was closed, yeah, we'd be there for lunch. Um, but we still partner up with them on different things. We have a great relationship with those guys. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- those are the three for Cowichan. Yeah, I'm trying. To... I mean, the wine bar, like it's, yeah. it's they they do have a really good food food program as well. Yeah. So those drinks always stand out to me, but the food's really good too. Shea, Shea as well. Yeah. Brunch on third. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. brunch on third. Yeah. I yeah. went there. Uh, I've been there twice now in the past six weeks. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed that place. Now, what about Salt Spring Island? Hmm. There's, I mean, it's been Ooh. so long since we've been. Okay, like, well, I know, I know one. Um, Francis Bread. So oh, it's, yeah, it's, cool. it's, um, it's not like a restaurant as much as it's a bakery, but they do collaborative stuff mm-hmm. with a lot of people from Victoria. They'll do some stuff. Um, it's a guy um, I actually went to high school with, Peter Hunt, and um, I graduated with him. 
and he came he's just like this expert baker i don't i don't really know his whole story after he left high school i just wasn't like that close with him but Mm -hmm. he but he's extremely talented and um his bread is amazing and um he i like yeah just francis bread um check it out for yeah, sure if you're on salt I think, i'm pretty sure they have sandwiches and, and pastries yeah. and that kind of stuff as well every day when they're open um yeah no it's very very talented i've never heard of that yeah it's, which it, part of the island is it on it's you know? it's so do you know do you know where moby's pub is yeah that, so the place that i like to go eat is moby's pub yeah, yeah. that's a classic yeah. like, that's i don't a, know why <laughs> i i it might be the desserts yeah more than anything i i love the desserts there i, I it's been a while since i've been there because yeah. it, it's been since i was in since we grew up we grew up there it's been there it's an institution on on salt spring for sure i, I really enjoy it yeah, yeah it's it's great and the location is beautiful yeah. like yeah. being right on the dock there but but francis bread is like right up the hill um so if you go kind of if you're heading towards a long harbor ferry mm-hmm. um uh, you passed um pacing's house and which is also amazing yeah um and then what's is it churchill road i think it's Churchill. churchill yeah. road yeah so there's churchill road on just on the corner there um there it's a art gallery that they've converted into a bakery it's really really good Okay. Yeah. Because the other one is the uh, the other baker I know is is it Emb? Emb's. Yeah. Yeah. Emb's okay. is good. Um, Barb's buns. Barb's buns is still there. Barb's right? buns. Yeah, that's a great great lunch spot for yeah. sure. Treehouse. Treehouse. Is Treehouse nice. is always yeah. like a, a classic just in town. Um, Treehouse Cafe. Um, hmm. Which it's, one is the one that's down by the uh, the ferry? Uh, the Fulford Ferry. Is it Roxalt still? Oh, Roxalt. It used to be Roxalt. Okay, I went to Roxalt. Yeah. Is there still a restaurant down there? That was actually my first restaurant was working at Rock Salt. And it was, oh, really? it was when it had first opened as Rock Salt. And I was there for, I think, a month um, before leaving because the chef was like, you just like, don't be here because they can't, like, I can't give you hours. So oh. he got me a job at Hastings House. And that was really my first restaurant was at Hastings House. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of, that place is awesome because it's it's just, it's really old school. Like the food is, it's a, they have a... Um, a Swiss chef there named Marcel and um at Hastings House at Hastings House yeah and is this in Vancouver Salt Spring oh it's on Salt Spring yeah, yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that place yeah it's, yeah. it's up the hill from Obi's it's like oh. right up the hill yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's like a high-end um kind of um retreat guest house yeah it's a res- um, like a resort I guess yeah. yeah there's like different cabins so people stay there it's very high-end yeah. it's it's like yeah it's, it's very nice the restaurant's great but the the reason why I liked it so much was because they had, they had a huge garden um that they got most of the produce from their own garden there that's cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of great spots on Salt Spring. It's a really cool spot. Yeah. There's a lot to explore. And I mean, even like um, Mount Maxwell, driving up there, there's that coffee, the Mount Maxwell coffee. There was like a little stand on the side of the road as you're driving up the, the road to go to Mount Maxwell. That might be new. Yeah, I think that's new, but that, that sounds awesome. That was... Um, well, new for us at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that was three, two or three years ago that I saw it. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. And they, they, they're making coffee in inert. Um, maybe tomorrow we can go yeah. try to find yeah. it. <laughs> it was, it was literally, yeah. Like when you, when you turn off the road to go up to Mount Maxwell, mm-hmm. it wasn't that far up that road as you start going up. Like as you get off like the main thing where you're driving to the Ganges or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It was like, as soon as you start going up, it's like right there. Okay. Yeah. Look it up. Mount Maxwell coffee. Yeah. yeah I, I, I do. It rings a bell. I think it had like a Sasquatch on the label or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The name, the name, like Mount Maxwell Coffee, rings a bell. Love it. Yeah. But Mount, Ma- Mount Maxwell, when you get to the top of that thing, and you get that view. Yeah. Where it's like to the left is like a valley, and then to the right is all water and islands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. No, that's that's a beautiful spot up there. You can actually see. Yeah, you can see it from I, not from the here. Trees here, but oh, 
Really? So you can see it from here? Yeah, yeah. from the driveway. Yeah. Like if you're if you're coming down the driveway, you yeah. can you can see Mount Maxwell. Which I gotta say, shout out to the driveway <laughs> on the way on the way to where we are right now. Because there's there's one pothole that really wanted to be my friend. Yeah. Driveway's a generous term. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Four-wheel yeah. drive. That one pothole, I didn't want to be its friend. So I avoided it. It's pretty big. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah, it's it's an adventure coming here, you know. I, I, I appreciate it. It was something different. Yeah. I liked it. Um what about as far as in the couch and valley, other things, not necessarily food. So for people that are traveling up to like either passing through or coming up here, are there things that locals know about that are awesome that other people might not, that you could recommend? Just I mean, in general? just a lot of, a lot of hikes and that kind of stuff, you know, like it's just, it's just such a, a big open area that, that if you're not familiar with it, it's, you know, it's unexplored. So it's, you got to come out and get some food at the farmer's market and then go and find a spot and explore a little bit. Um, the river, there's great yeah. parks along the river. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some great hikes. Genoa up. Bay, like that drive is just, it's lovely. There's Bird's Eye Cove Farm out there. I don't know if they're doing anything um, right now, but there's Genoa Bay Cafe uh, at the end of the drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great just to go and get a glass of wine, get some food. Um, and there's, uh, what's what's the hike out there called? Stony? Stony uh, Mountain? Stony Hills? Stony Hills. Stony, yeah, Hill. Stony Hills. Yeah, it's yeah, a pretty popular. There. Yeah, yeah, that's, pretty that's popular a beautiful hike. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cow Bay, just going down to Cow mm-hmm. Bay, walking on the, you know, like, um, it's like an old fishing village. Yeah. So, and there's True Grain break Bakeries down there too. Which I still haven't awesome. been in there. When I've been there, it's been closed. Yeah, they're they're open back up now. Uh, Mondays they're closed. I think are they closed on? I think it's just Mondays. Just yeah, they're yeah. just closed Mondays. Um, they you can't go inside right now. They have it set up so so um, you kind of just go in one at a time, get what you want, and then leave just because of the COVID stuff. Okay, um, but it's a real good place to get some pastries and a coffee, and then yep. just go down to the docks and hang out. Um, and there's some great retail kind of shops there too. And yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the food at the one of the restaurants there. And I forget what the name of it is. It's up at the end. Uh, when you're driving in, it's at like the far end. Um, that was good. And then the the other guys ice cream. Yeah, I mean that's that's a classic. Yeah, they're yeah. they're another establishment. Yeah. I would say they've yeah. been around for yeah. a long time. Which I I enjoyed the ice cream there as well. Yeah, their candy selection too is tops. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of different stuff in there. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of stuff that you're not going to find if you go into like a no. supermarket. No, it's a cool shop. Yeah, we were there, and the last time I was at Cal Bay was the night of the lightning storm. Oh. I don't know if you remember that, like a month and a half ago yeah, or like something. The Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I was out there with Natalie, and we're just standing on the on the one sort of uh, dock or whatever, just watching this happen. Yeah, and it was crazy. Yeah, that that was that was nuts. I don't think I've ever seen a lightning storm here like that. I was so stoked about it too because I'm like, oh, we're seeing this. It's only here. And then when I left, and I realized the whole island saw this. Yep. Yeah. It was. I thought it, it was, was just, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just happening there. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was quite a fun, a fun experience. Yeah. I got to say though that this this land here is really cool. Yeah. The spot that you have here is it's really like like Farmsgate and the whole methodology you have or or the way you operate. But then living on a space like this, like it just all goes hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. Like having having this amount of space, having a space to grow food um is pretty awesome It's something that I've been wanting to do with the business since day 1. So the last 2 years we've been kind of experimenting with the garden. Um this year we put in uh uh, drip irrigation to kind of help with um, consistency with watering because that was an issue last year. Um, but yeah, that's that's been that's been pretty exciting. Is being able to pull some of my own stuff out of the ground. Yeah, and so, sh- are you looking at expanding that growing 
aspect? It's I'm actually looking at decreasing it next year because the reason um, is that the garden it was not being used for quite a, quite a while, so there's just years of seed development in there. So I'm going to tarp half of the the garden and just kill it over a year um, and, and just have everything come up, germinate, and then die um, in hopes that I will be able to then do it with the other half of the garden and then farm the half that I already killed the, in, in two years from now um, just to kind of help that battle. Even, you know, we, we use landscape fabric and even that we had weeds bursting through it. So there's, um, you know, with, with, without having the, the same amount of time to put in into the garden, there's, you know, some struggles associated with that. But I've um, kind of had to learn to accept that it's not going to be perfect and appreciate that there is like there's some really awesome stuff happening in there like the tomatoes from the um the fresh tomatoes on the burger were from the garden the tomato and, and pepper jam from the garden you know there's tons of carrots i've been using a marinated veg and there's a few beets scattered in there too and tons of winter squash so it's it's pretty cool yeah. so you got a lot of it sounds like a lot of things going on yeah okay and the, the tomatoes to me too tomatoes are special when they're like fresh out of the ground Yep. Or not right out of the ground, but off the off vine. The vine. Yep. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's something special about that. Mm-hmm. It almost to me has more of a flavor impact than like a lot of other things. I think it does. Like there's there's even just when you go out to pick it and you can smell the tomato plants and then you bring it inside and you still have that with you. Yeah. Like that contributes to it. Yeah. yeah. It looked like you were going to say something. I was just going to say, we've got to take you through the garden. We haven't, yeah. we, we haven't oh, shown you the I garden yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can handle a little bit of weeds here yeah. and there. But. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Maybe a blackberry or two. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> Have you ever had uh, trail berries? No. Trail blackberries? No. It's like it's like a uh, a type of blackberry that's native to at least the, the island or, or Victoria or something cool. or that area. So you guys haven't tried Are they, that? Are they smaller? No. I think they're smaller, yeah. I think I've probably had them and not known that they were called trail blackberries but yeah yeah it's uh yeah they're they're they don't they're not that hard or not that easy to find uh, they're expensive uh, they're, they're foraged i'm guessing you yeah. have to get them get them foraged from a forager uh i guess kind of for the most part yeah there was a little patch growing at um at the plot market garden that okay, i was talking cool. to you guys oh, about because cool. yeah. they she pulled it off a couple of them off the thing and she's like here try these and they were really cool but she's like, if you ever tried to buy these, it'd be like super expensive yeah. just for like a little amount of them. Mm. But they were really, really good. Sweet. Do you guys do any type of um, like desserts, like pies or any of that kind of stuff? I mean, our, our dessert program is a little lacking, to be honest, just because I don't have – in the trailer right now, we have an oven that's not even properly calibrated. So uh, it's baking, not calibrated properly. Well, it's, it's, it's calibrated, just, just you know – it. it, it has a mind of its own sometimes. So I don't trust it to do any kind of intricate baking, but we do a lot of like, um, like crostatas and that kind of stuff. So, um, pastry that's not, um, you know, that you don't need to have precise, um, timing and temperature for, um, we'll do that kind of stuff. Okay. Have you ever had it cause an issue because of its inconsistency? I mean, nothing significant. No, you know, sometimes like the edges around, if I'm roasting some vegetables, the edges around it might get a little bit too dark. So, um, stuff like that, if I'm not totally on it, but nothing, nothing huge with with baking you need to have that like precise heating down to a science and so it just yeah it's not great for that yeah yeah and that's okay Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i mean where we are right now you know it's it's the the small amount that we do is is good enough for now and then when we get our you know we have plans to build a production kitchen yeah so i was going to ask you what what do you have in the future like what where is this going so yeah, yeah we we um this one of the things we were looking at in march as well was um an industrial kitchen building one up 
um, for the future for these mm-hmm. like increase of events. And luckily, we didn't really sign. We didn't sign a lease on any any place or how close like were that. you to signing something? We were we were looking at places with realtor, but we didn't we hadn't found any place that we really um, uh, were you know happy with. So we weren't that close, but we were we were at the stage where we were we were looking at places, yeah. so we were pretty close. Yeah. Okay. And so, would there be any um, aspiration with that for like a re- like an actual restaurant side, or would it just be a kitchen, just so you can keep doing what you're doing here? For now, it's we're most likely looking at just a production kitchen um, to kind of expand what we're doing here. So, you know, there's certain things like like baking, like baking, <laughs> like baking, like even the frozen meals. You know, being able to do that a little more consistently. Yeah. Um, space is needed for that. So, um, having you know, a, a larger convi oven, um, another range, refrigeration, dry store, all that kind of stuff um, is going to improve our capacity a lot. And like, do you have, do you have a lot of stuff you'd want to be doing right now if you could, if you like, if you had that space that you just can't? Yeah. There's some stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like value added stuff we've, we've talked about doing. Um, he, he does a lot of really nice sauces, like the, like the tomato and uh, uh, pepper uh, jam that was on that yeah that that jam was yeah. insane so yeah. so i mean it, like at the end of the season when farmers have you know an excess of product and they're they're looking to still get money for that you know we would like to be able to buy it all off them and then make a preserve or make a you know do something with that so it doesn't go to waste and with our current facilities we do that to a certain extent but we can't do it to the extent that we want to so yeah like that's something we'd be able to do and then just also increasing our catering capacity as well is a, a large part of that it's just being able to do more events. How much um, do you have a feeling about like how much stuff actually does go to waste? Like 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 you're saying there yeah. on farms, is there a lot that actually unfortunately does get wasted? Or I, I honestly, I wouldn't say it's a lot. Um, I okay, think that, that most people who are growing food are passionate about making sure it gets used. So yeah. you know, there's there's places that they know that if they do have excess, that they can send it off and donate. And a lot of farmers are really willing to do that. Um, Nourish Couch, and I don't know if you know about them, but they're um, always needing food donations. So farmers help them quite a bit. Um, they nourish couch and they, they um, provide school lunches for um, families that can't necessarily provide it for their kids. Awesome. Um, so they're, yeah, what, what they're really good. Yeah. Uh, Fatima de Silva is the chef there and she's just, yeah, she's an inspiration. She's one of the most, the hardest working chefs that I've, I've had the pleasure to meet. Um, and what she does right now is just, it's pretty, pretty awesome. So, um, so nourish couch and yeah. nourish couch and yeah, okay. if, I've never heard of this. Yeah, they're they've been around for like three or four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like should be worth talking to at some point for sure. She's, um, she's been around the block and now she's doing something that is, um, not only helping but is integral to the community right now. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean that's especially like with COVID and that and everyone's struggling. Yeah, yeah. Like that that stuff like that is really need needed. Yep. So it's I'm 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 appreciative of anyone willing to put the effort in to make sure that those those programs and and that exist. Yep. Yeah, and they've 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 had to adjust. You know, when when school was out, they still wanted to make sure that families were getting food. So um, instead of sending it to schools, they had um, you know bags full of different items to send to families and to their homes. So yeah, that's definitely an inspiration here in the valley. Yeah, definitely the adaptation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and do you is there anything else in the future besides the kitchen that you guys are thinking you're going to be doing? You mean Dan? Or they want to? I think hoping? I think you have some like distant future ideals. I mean, yeah, I mean like. Growing food and and branching off into different aspects of hospitality is something I always like. I, I've always dreamed about having a spot where I can grow my own food. I can have places for people to stay and actually give them that kind of hospitality and, and mm. kind of 
yeah, there's 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 a lot of different things that I would like to do right now. I'm quite happy with the direction that we're going in, but yeah, down the road, I mean, I want to raise some pigs, some sheep, you know, get like to get my own eggs going on, um, expand the produce. Um, but really, I mean, our focus right now is just just to grow what we're doing right now, and that means that we're able to support more. So when we're talking about um, you know using trying to do more. Um, what Mike was talking about, trying to utilize product towards the end of the season. Um, that's something that for me has always been a little bit lacking um, from my end is just being able to to preserve food so that in November, December, January, February, March, um, I still can get local product in that I'd already, you know, product that I've already um, processed and I can use that throughout the off season. So that's something that just with our limitations right now in storage, I can't do. Um, but we're, you know, we're trying to do a little bit more with with the eggplant, for instance, that we're getting from Wicklow. Um, being able to do that is pretty awesome. But yeah, that's for me. As we grow, we're going to be able to hire more people, mm -hmm. um, get more hands on in, in this team that can help me, um, you know, process more ingredients that come in and yeah. use it year round. And uh, yeah, it really, it'll yeah. really help kind of serve our mission. Yeah, but at Farmscape to really to help the community more. It's yeah. just yeah, just all positive. Yeah, it, it's I, and I love hearing how much you guys want to keep using stuff that might otherwise get wasted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like it, uh, like Andrew at Indecent Risotto, he's doing some stuff with his uh, new uh, pork sandwich, where the cut of pork, a lot of people don't want that uh, the the, um, the ribs. Hmm. A lot of people don't want those ribs just because they're not like um, the ones that everyone uses. Yeah. Right. So these things could potentially be wasted, but it's like a situation now where the supplier and him, like he's getting a, a good situation on the price. Mm -hmm. The supplier is now getting rid of stuff that they might have otherwise been stuck with. Yeah, yep. and it, it's actually because of um, because of how he's cooking it, and and uh, like the the cut that it is or whatever, it's it's it has like a unique texture to it. Hmm. So it's like a win win all across the board. Gonna have to try that sandwich. Yeah, I think I, I think I saw you post on that. I gotta gotta get out there and try it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. Something yeah. to try. I mean, I mean, them and you guys are my favorite food trucks. So, yeah. So uh, depending, I guess, where I am. Yeah, I hope, I'm hoping one of you two is there. <laughs> yeah, so there's a good chance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. a lot of food trucks now. Like, yeah. how many up and how many different food trucks are there up in Cowichan here? There's only a few. There's us. There's um, the Italian guys who um, Chichios because yeah, you know they were down at Esquimalt actually. Yeah, I've seen something about that, but I've never. Is is their stuff? Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've never I've never they're, tried it. They're, and they're I, new this year, but definitely worth a try. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're. Um, uh, Fr Francesco, Friend, yep. um, he's from he's from Sicily, um, and so oh, wow. he's like straight Sicilian um, cooking. Very 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 tasty. Um, and then there's a couple um, taco trucks. Um, there's Taco Revolution. Yeah, um, I've had them. That we really like them. Yeah. There's a, a Syrian. Uh, oh yeah, Syrian food falafel. trailer. Um, yeah. It's trailer, right? Yeah. That's the one at the market, right? Yep. The market. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're there. They're 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 really good. Yeah. Um, there's the one, the little corners sandwich shop. Yeah, they're, yeah. So they're, I just found out about that, and yeah. I went there last weekend. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not like they don't move. They're just like like they're they're a food truck, but they're like pretty much a cafe because they just stay in one spot. Yeah. Um, but they're they're killing it. This whole like they they did really well through the pandemic because yeah. they, they had their one spot and like they were able to open. I think because of the outdoor kind of how it's outdoor seating and everything so they were able to kind of remain open through a lot of it um, where a lot of restaurants were closed um, and so they did really well so they would have been at the forefront of people's minds like yeah. this is safe this is outside we're okay here exactly yeah, yeah. and yeah. and like i know that like like harvest road i think is doing pretty well this year back mm -hmm. down in um in uh by in brentwood bay there or whatever yeah and uh because they're out outdoors and it's like that they're like built for the pandemic yeah yep totally 
because it's just you're outside and it's it's an amazing food as well. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the uh, yeah the the what is it little corner sandwich yeah, shop? the yeah. little corner sandwich shop yeah. yeah yeah I did I enjoyed the meal I had there the um the paneer that they had for oh. the for the feature that day okay that cool. was fantastic Sweet. yeah like taking like the grilled cheese and like dipping it in that yeah, yeah. that's a good move nice. nice. And there was a coffee shop that was just down the the road from there. The old uh, schoolhouse. Yes. Yeah, they, they're really good too. They yeah. have and and they're um, we actually know the manager there quite well, and and she's she's recent and she's been doing a lot of new stuff there. So mm. um, there's there, I, I've I've noticed that they're becoming a little bit more interesting. It's not just like sandwiches and coffee anymore. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. They had a little drive through there. Yeah, yeah. Like and, the, the whole setup just looked pretty wild. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, Cobble Hill is a cool little town. Like yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, like the fact that it was, I guess, so it was a schoolhouse? I get, yeah. Damn. I would assume so. Yeah. Well, it, just, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah. It, everywhere here, like when I was in Chimanus and, and and just around like Cobble Hill and all that stuff. Yeah, there's just so much character, mm-hmm. like small town character. Yeah. There, there's a lot of really cool little, like it, within the Cowichan Valley, there's a lot of cool little communities that are worth visiting mm-hmm. just on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend a, a couple of days here kind of just going through and visiting. Um, also, one other thing, because you, you mentioned before, besides restaurants, what would you, um, yep. you know, rec- what would you recommend? Um, wineries, the wineries here. So definitely like going and just having a day going to all the different wineries. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go to more other wineries because I haven't really been to them. I mean, I've been to Onsworth. Which which other ones have you been to? Uh, well, Emmendaire yeah. that day. But other than that, I don't I don't even know. Yeah, Avril's right here. So you should yeah, definitely go to Avril. Avril's right here. Yeah. Um, and then I... Uh, what other ones? Enrico's. Enrico's fun. It's kind of like the the party one. I've driven past there. Yeah, um, Venturi Schultz. That's that's kind of a little gem. They do uh, balsamic vinegar, um, and then they do loads of wine as well. But yeah, that's that's definitely a cool spot. Um, and I guess with uh, vineyards, the tasting rooms probably aren't open, are they? They are. They oh, are. they are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh blue, okay. blue grouse too. Blue grouse is definitely yeah. definitely go to blue grouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they are for the most part. Some of them have reduced hours. Okay. Um, some of them are by appointment only, and some of them are um, requiring reservations. I see. Um, just because they have a bit um, limited kind of capabilities. Yeah. And they have um, the tastings aren't done at the bar anymore. They're done at a table. So they'll and they're self guided tastings. So they'll they'll give you a sheet kind of, and they'll bring out the wine for you. Um, different wineries might have different ways they're doing that, but that's kind of the norm right now. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I went to uh, Babe's. Uh, honey farm down in Victoria on the weekend because they always have like a tap set up and they make uh, um, uh, June or or kombucha. Oh, cool! Oh, sweet. But they do it with with the honey um, and oh. the the setup is really cool. But I didn't even think about COVID because I haven't been there since this all happened. Yeah, and and it's all outside. Like they yeah. you can't go to the tap setup. There's no taps and like experimental flavors or anything like that. Because I mean they've done like like cereal milk kombucha. Oh, cool. With uh, some some like Fruit Loops, and there was another one they did. So, yeah. But the Mermaid Tears, if you ever try their stuff, try Mermaid Mermaid Tears. That sounds like definitely worth checking out. Yeah. They have they have some like blue algae in it that it gives it this blue color. Sweet. That's really it's it's wild stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. What would you guys say is like the number one um, lesson you've learned through having the the business and with food or in your time with cooking? Is there something that stands out for each of you? Like a takeaway. Hmm. Yeah, second to think about that one. That's I okay. mean, for for me, I think it's just not box, boxing myself into any kind of. I have to do things a certain way, you know. As far as as far as the dishes that I create, not being kind of saying, you know, I, the the only restriction I put on myself is that 
if there's something that I want to do, try to do it in a way that means that I can get something locally. So there's, you know, there's sometimes, you know, I really want to work with Mango. So I try to find a way to, to use a product that I can get here that gives me that same effect Mango would. Um, so kind of, I guess, yeah, I don't know, just not boxing myself in and kind of staying true to my one real philosophy. And that's just support local. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think for me, it's more on the business side of just like having your own business, so much work and you really have to just kind of find like the things in it that really make you happy. So that's my, probably my biggest takeaway is just like what I was talking about earlier about the customer interactions or, you know, having these events and just finding these moments and even on, on like a day-to-day driving to a farm, seeing the farmer, having that relationship and just kind of finding that happiness because it really like there's days with a, with a small business, especially through the pandemic stuff where it's like, you know, there's a days of doubt, you know, there's days that, you know, you're just like, this is like, I'm putting in so much work and like now like the pandemic has hit and all this stuff has kind of like crushed a lot of what you hit your plans and like finding those like bits of happiness to really just like maybe remind yourself why you're doing it and reminding yourself why, you know, why it's so worthwhile and, you know, kind of the bigger picture. I think that's something I've, I've taken away from it for sure. Keeping a balanced perspective. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I love it. Mm. Guys, this has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this yeah. Is, thank you for having me and thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having us, man. Yeah, no, yeah. it's been a pleasure to us. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for doing this podcast too. It's yeah. a, it's a really good um, good thing that you're doing and, and giving voice to a lot of businesses. And yeah, I'm really impressed with what right. you're doing. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And if, if people want to figure out or find out more about you guys, where should they go? Social media is probably the best bet. Instagram, Facebook, and then um, farmsgatefoods.ca is our website as well. Okay. Yeah, I actually, and the website's awesome. I don't yeah. know who made that. Was it? This yeah, guy? yeah. I, I okay. Made it. Yeah. Really good job. Thank you. Yeah, the website's awesome. Thanks. And if anyone's looking for what I'm doing, you can go to um, www.vicfoodguys.ca or search Vic Food Guys on Instagram, and uh, you'll find out what I'm doing. And I'll be back next Tuesday. So I'll see you all then.